Mr. Hollis Podcast coming out here in these streets. The Avenue 5 Podcast. Y'all gonna want that podcast. Most definitely. I like that. Exactly. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Ali and Fabo After 5 Podcast, where it goes down. You never know what conversations may happen or take place at a happy hour. Today, we are joined by Monica Kirsten. Monica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me. Very excited about the launch of your podcast and, and much success. Thank you. Um, who am I? So I am a Black woman who reigns from Baltimore, um, and I am a caregiver, and I'm also in the, a human resources professional. Um, and I enjoy um, spending time with family and friends, um, caring for my dad, um, as well as travel. Uh, and, and just cooking and s- stuff like that. But for the most part, um, I just enjoy spending time with people that I care about and that cares about me and just enjoy the opportunity to share information that I've picked up along the way that I didn't know. So that, that leads me to my first question. So, you know, growing up, I would see parents that would take care of uncles, grandmothers, you know, different relatives. But I never knew that that was a a real thing. So tell me, what is a home care provider? So good question. So a home care provider is typically more somebody that's on the professional end that takes care of someone's health. So for instance, it could be anything from a a nurse to a nursing assistant to um, various titles in the medical field. So the health care provider is more on the the business side of it. The caregiver is, as you were referring to, could be the uncle, the child, the friend. It could be, it could be anyone that you take responsibility for their care and well-being. So, so just so I get that and I understand it, there, there, there's a distinction that you mentioned two, two different people. So who's on the business end of it? So from a title, when you, when you say healthcare provider, most of the time when you hear that term, it's usually oh. related to something more on the healthcare on the business side, like if someone works in a hospital. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, to care for. And sometimes you might hear it interchangeably, but that's much more related on that end. But when you say the term caregiver, for instance, that could be anybody that is health related and or someone who doesn't even work in health, but has taken the responsibility to care for someone. Okay. Great. Right. So listen, um, do you have to take any classes such as CPR in order to you know, go into your profession or, or to be able to provide that caregiving uh, services that you provide? It's ideal if you have CPR certification only because it just provides another layer of safety for the person that you know that person is um, giving care for. Um, it's not necessarily required because for the most part, oftentimes the role doesn't come um, planned. It's, something typically happens, meaning that that loved one gets sick um, or injured um, or a change in mental status, and it may not happen in a time that was planful. So oftentimes someone will step into the plate and and do the role versus um, getting any formal training for it. But if if someone is like a nursing assistant or medical assistant, um, et cetera, they may very well have formal training and also, you know, caregive as well. Okay, great. Uh, in a situation like that, uh, is it not best to not even attempt to do that if you haven't had the training? 
Um, I would say no, only because a lot of times it depends on the level of care one needs to get. So it's, it's very personal. Um, you might have one person that might physically not be able to walk. Sorry about that. You might not be able to walk and um, they just might need a physical support versus someone that might need not only physical support, but they need to be cared for. They need to be, um, you know, personal hygiene, um, business decisions, things of that nature. So it really depends. Um, if they really have something more on the physical side and there's a, a, a concern of risk is higher, then I would say the higher the risk, then the training should be necessary. Great. Uh, are you required to be a care provider full-time? In, in other words, can, can you work also another job? So that depends again on the level of care. Um, in my case, I am able to work because the level of care that my dad needs. Um, in his case, he, he has short-term memory loss. He's, he's physically capable of taking care of himself, hygiene, um, cooking, chores, certain chores around the house. However, when it comes to making business decisions and things that would require really important, you know, follow-up, that's where I would come in and I would step in and do certain things, going to his doctor's appointments and, and making sure his medical business and financial business is all taken care of. So it really just depends. Um, the higher the risk in terms of the uh, mental and physical capacity would require, I would say it would require that um, you would probably not work because it would be, you know, a whole level of time that you would need to support, especially if you don't have additional support. So is there any type of government assistance you can get for being a care, uh, care provider? So that's a good question. Um, I did find that there's a stipend. It's not significant. Um, and when I say that, I mean, it's like maybe $200 every couple months or something like that. I haven't looked at it very recently, but if you contact your state's local center, um, Department of Aging, I'm sorry, and um, speak to one of the representatives there, they'll be able to give you some insight on how you could qualify to get um, a stipend to help support the um, loved one that you're caring for. Mm -hmm. The other good resource is not even just that, but other caregivers. I found in my experience that it's good to connect with people who are actually doing it or have done it. Um, to get their perspective because there's a lot of knowledge in just other people's experiences. And like I said, uh, uh, this usually happens kind of impromptu. It's never like, you know, well, down the line, which that's another great, con um, another great show in planning and in, in the state planning. But, you know, typically it happens the last minute. So you kind of in that mode of, I got to just get stuff done versus being planful. That's great information. So like, listen, if I, um, if I need to get like a power of attorney or, you know, I have a loved one to, that's not able to take care of themselves anymore uh, to that point of where, you know, um, I need to step in and actually, uh, you know, take over, how, how would I go about that? Uh, how, how does that happen? Good question. Um, so I would say as soon as possible. And honestly, I think that there's no age that someone should not talk about power of attorney. Um, in estate planning, because it can be a very, very sensitive, very, very, um, just like a very delicate topic to talk to with family members, particularly sometimes with parents, because they get the impression that 
you're sending nice. them off soon but in a way that's very knowledgeable and loving so that they it's not like you know a forced conversation i think it's key to do it as soon as possible so that there's clarity not only amongst you but amongst other family members as i mentioned it can depending on the type of circumstances um that person may be and it could be volatile volatile family members um or just people who are trying to get over so it's just important if you can get that business taken care of sooner than later. Now, I, I recommend that um, one would, again, they could contact their State Department of Aging. There's a lot of resources there that we don't tap into or, or don't even know about, but they could also contact, um, if they have a, their job has an employee assistance program, they could go through there. They usually have free legal assistance just to get some insight on how they would go about um, recommending them to an estate planner. Right, absolutely. Um, what what is what is some advice if the loved ones resist your care and want to remain independent on their own? Ooh, that's a that's a mouthful there. Because <laughs> that definitely happens a lot. Um you have to have a lot of patience. Let me go back to the very first question that Kendrick asked, and that was what is a caregiver? To be a caregiver it's a special type of person to do it. Just like certain jobs that we often identify with, like, you know, nah, that's not me. That might be a cool thing for them, but that's just not me. Like you really have to have a very compassionate, kind, gentle, patient spirit and have the ability to, to turn it off and not let it get to you. So um, with all that being said, it's just really important that, um, I think it's just really important that you know what you're getting yourself into and having a lot of patience. And if you're not being honest with yourself, then it's going to manifest in that relationship. And, you know, you definitely don't want to have any resentment or any issues because of that. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, you mentioned a department of aging. What is there any other uh, resources that you know of that someone could uh, look for to get advice from? So as I mentioned, the, the, well, for here, the Maryland Department of Aging or whatever state's local Department of Aging, the reason why I mentioned that is because there are a lot of uh, funded programs that are out there. For instance, adult daycare or supplies and resources, meals on wheels, things like that, where I don't think everybody may be um, knowledgeable of that information being available. And it, can, it could help. It could make or break a family. Um, knowing that they have some type of free resources there to help them. Um, like I said, the gold is other people who have done it. So, you know, there are a lot of our elders um, or people who have um, done this kind of work over the years that could give you really, really good advice. Like for me, what helped me is that my mother works in nursing and she used to also care give for family members. So I really was like visibly there to see what it required. Um, to, to help support so that when it was my time to do it, I was really pretty comfortable doing it because I, you know, have seen it and kind of helped out in the past, but it's totally different when you take the full role on. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know a Department of Aging existed. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Well, I've known about it for some time, but as far as utilizing it while I was, um, like really in the thick of making my transition, I had went on to see. And then I was talking to some family members and they were like, you know, you should look into it because I think they do have a stipend. And, you know, so there's there's definitely some resources out there. I'm actually, 
if there's a local um, like senior senior buildings, um, they usually have people like what they would call activity or recreational therapists. So they are very privy to information as well. So if you have a family member that's like in a senior building or something like that. Right. Right. So great. So listen, uh, is there a limit of how many people you can take care of as a caregiver? Is there some kind of law or rule uh, as far as, you know, you being able to provide service at one time? So I don't know the amount. Um, however, I do know that there are, you know, certain homes that uh, caregivers, they could like, so if they, they run it, have a duplex or something like that, they can actually take care, do assisted living, you know, so if they are like have an LLC or if they um, actually are doing foster care, that kind of thing, they may have the ability to have more than one. So I think that would kind of fall into, you know, those areas as far as having more than one person that they would care for. Speaking from an individual perspective, um, there probably have been people who've had to take care of both parents or siblings or children or whoever. Right. And I personally recommend to not do that. Um, it's, it's a lot. And I, I don't have children, so I can't equate it to having kids or anything. However, um, I believe that one person is only going to get as much care. You still have to put yourself first too. And that's what doesn't happen usually for caregiver. They usually come at the last part of the list. So um, I recommend if you're just looking into doing it as potentially helping out a family member or a friend um, to definitely stick with just one until you kind of understand what the role is and that you can, you know, handle it mentally and physically. Um, but if, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's a lot. I mean, honestly, you know, especially a working, someone that works too. So, you know, it's one thing you might be totally dedicated to caring for someone, but if you are someone that's caring for someone and working and then got to take care of yourself, it can be overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Definitely. Um, as a caregiver, how do you balance your life? Like without getting exhausted? Oof. You get exhausted. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 important to really have some structure and 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 be able to be organized. Um, oftentimes, I wouldn't say this because I'm always promoting being selfless, but you have to be selfish, only so that you can be more effective to those that you're caring for and that you love. And so, what I mean by that is really finding out what brings you joy. What is it that you need to get poured back into so that you can help um, the person that you're caring for is, is key. So for me, like I said, I work um, and also my mom plays a big part because she's, you know, so actively able to, we, we tag team a lot. So that helps out a lot. But um, as far as just making sure that I have um, time on the weekends, um, I might use my morning time as my meditation, spiritual and prayer time. Um, and then I might find like maybe once a month, I want to go somewhere, you know, whether it's a staycation or a day trip or something, just to kind of keep the balance of me working and then having some time for myself. Okay. So as you're taking, as a caregiver, as you're taking care of your loved one and you start to see things become more and more difficult, or you see more and more health problems increasing, when do you make the choice that you need outside professional help or 
maybe you might want to consider putting your loved one into a nursing home or other alternatives? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question as well. Um, I always say it's just sooner to have the conversations than later, because given the person's situation, we don't know what kind of time we have. And we just don't want to put ourselves um, in a situation where it's just really challenging. Fortunately, um, I haven't run into any um, issues in this space, but it's just really important that the conversations happen um, early on just to help, you know, prepare for these types of things. Right. Wow. And, and so if I wanted to become a caregiver, right, like do I need to do, uh, have my home be a certain way? Is there certain regulations that I have to, you know, fall under in order to uh, facilitate that as far as trying to become a, a, a caregiver? What, what does those look like? What's that step look like? Uh, for someone good, who question. good question. Um, yes, yeah, so I would say that depending on the needs of the loved one, you know, you would determine what those things may be. So in the case of my dad, he, um, he's 75. Um, he had a massive stroke back in 2002. And that resulted in him um, having the residual, um, he had some mild brain damage, which resulted in short-term memory loss. So he would remember people, but if you ask about something that happened, you know, yesterday, he may not remember that. So, um, you know, he went through, you know, a lot with that process, but I say all that to say, um, when it comes to just making sure that you have the right um, setup in your house depends on what's going on with them. So if, if with him, you know, I like to make sure that um, I have a lot of signage up so that he kind of remembers phone numbers or if there's a, a doctor's appointment that he needs to, we need to get him prepped for, just a lot of visual things. Um, but if the person is someone that may, for instance, have dementia and they're gonna, they might possibly wander around and you live in a place that may not have the proper railings or uh, safety um, things, uh, plugs and things like that, I would say, yes, you wanna make sure that you have all of that set up appropriately. Um, but it just depends because sometimes, like I said, the caregiving piece could be, it's a spectrum. So it could be something quite mild or it could be something extremely dependent. So with that, it just depends on what the needs would be for the person caring for them. I know it's kind of a long answer, but I just wanted to kind of. <laughs> oh, no, very, very. Yeah, long. that's the best way to give. <laughs> um, any dating advice for caregivers? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother episode, man. Whole nother episode. <laughs> gotta have a balance. Right. I mean, it's gotta be difficult trying to have a personal life if you yeah. if you're single and care for someone. Right. I mean, there's love for everyone doing everything, right? So um it could be a challenge. I know you all heard me say this several times, but it really depends on the spectrum of care that you're doing for that person. Um and the 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 lighter gives you a little bit more flexibility. The heavier course gives you um, limited. My only advice is that if you are a caregiver and you are on the realm of like somebody that's taking full care of someone, I would say that if you do not, if you're not able to create time for someone you wanna date, don't date. You know, because for most people, when you're getting to know them, you know, you need to spend time with them. You need to talk to them. And if your time is really committed with loving your um, 
loved one, I respect that. I, I mean, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm actually very um, turned on by that because it takes a certain type of person to be able to do that. But if you're in a situation that every time you, you know, you're talking and you're discussing the caregiving aspect that leads me to believe that you may have limited availability so it really just depends on timing and it depends on the level of care but it can it could be it could definitely be challenging wow thanks so as we come to the end of the podcast one question that we ask every guest is what does after five mean to you hmm so for me, after five is reflection. Typically around that time, I'm winding down from logging off these days. Um, before I was working hybrid, so I would take the, the drive home and I would reflect on the day that I um, do that. I, did I do what I say I was going to do? Um, did I um, make an impact? Did I bless somebody today? You know, it's really about reflection and um course correct and you know if it wasn't a good day then you know why wasn't it and what could I do differently or if it was a good day that's great let me relish in it let me celebrate it you know so I would say reflection um for me it's reflection it's it's definitely um cocktails and interesting conversations I like that and you definitely bless some people tonight with the information that you provided and with the kind loving heart that you have you definitely deserve some cocktails Oh, thank you. Cheers. <laughs> well, this concludes another episode of the After Five podcast. Until next time, After Five, we'll talk to you later. Nice to have you, Miss Kirsten. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to you all. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Our pleasure.